This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the TVU Podcast. I'm Dustin. Joining me today is Otto and Scott, and today we have... Kind of a small amount of different things to talk about. Of course, we're continuing our our uh, series of Let's Talk About the Batman. Um, we've got a couple of different things to talk about. Uh, the first one is a pretty big thing, specifically regarding a new clip that was released that we were all anticipating was coming. Um, it kind of unexpectedly came, and uh, in some ways, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but then the, another thing we want to talk about is actually uh, critic reviews of the Batman and specifically um, a variety of different things having to do with reviews of the film and things like that. Uh, the film is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, but there are some gems amongst the critic reviews and there's some ones that are gems for the opposite kind of reasoning, uh, not not so great ones. But before we get into all of that awesome discussion, um, this is actually the first episode that Adel has been on since the film came out, and as he wasn't able to join us um, earlier, we talked about our initial reactions for the film. So, Adel, what did you think of the film? I absolutely loved it. I mean, I went in with, I would say, I went in with high expectations, and um, I wasn't disappointed, and I think that's rare. Uh, nowadays for that to happen um i just it, it seemed like um matt reeves and everyone involved in making the film uh really are fans of these characters they understand the spirit of the characters they understand the mood of gotham city um i really liked that um you know he used some borderline uh horror style elements for batman i think you know that that opening scene um, in particular, where Batman doesn't even show up in, in the film, or in that opening scene, rather. Um, but you feel his presence. And I think, and that was obviously the intention of the scene. Um, and then, you know, just throughout the film, um, you know, even when he's um, taking down Carmine Falcone later on, there's that scene in, in the elevator shaft, and he's coming down the, the dark hallway. Um I thought I thought the uh, actors' performances were all outstanding. Uh, I thought Jeffrey Wright, uh, Zoe Kravitz, Pattinson um, all did phenomenal jobs. And it goes without saying that uh, all the villains were great as well. And I think that's a very important part of a Batman film. You have to have uh, really compelling villains. And I think the other thing that occurred to me when I was watching uh, this film is that 
I think this is the kind of uh, film that Batman works best in. Um, we don't, not necessarily, it's not necessarily that you, you can't do a Batman film with like super powered aliens or whatever, but I think this kind of thing with, you know, um, more cerebral villains um, and that sort of mob element, organized crime element, corruption element to it. I think that works best uh, for the character and, and for Gotham. So, I, I mean, I absolutely loved it. I The question for me coming out of it was, um, is this the best one? Um, and I have a very high opinion of The Dark Knight. So uh, for that to even be a question was uh, remarkable of itself. Um, and the conclusion that I sort of came to in my head is that I think the Dark Knight was, you know, a bit better as an overall film, but I think this was a better Batman film, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm just uh, really excited to see where uh, Matt Reeves takes the franchise in the future. Yeah, and uh, I mean, a lot of what you were saying is pretty much on par with what we were saying before. Um, one of the things that I kind of want to do kind of want to do this after the film ends up on HBO Max and uh, I have a chance to watch it again because I, I don't have the ability at this moment to go see it again in theaters but I do want to be able to watch it and be able to pause it and kind of think about things and I think after the film comes out on the, or is available on HBO Max I think we should come back and kind of rank the Batman, the live action Batman films and, and kind of put the Batman in, in the midst of the other Batman films because um, I think, obviously, you just said that you would put the Dark Knight a little bit higher than the Batman, but I, I agree with your your statement about it being um, a better Batman film. Um, the Dark Knight is a really good film, um, but as a Batman film, it's it's a, it's on a it's on a different level. It's not necessarily in the same group, so. I definitely want to come back to that and kind of compare, kind of rank the, all the films, not just th these, because we've talked about um, in our in our first reaction video, we talked about whether or not some of the, this movie was better than some of the other ones in The Dark Knight. It was the one that it mainly kept getting compared to. And I really do want to go back and kind of not only compare it to that one, but also some of the other, well, all of the other live action films. I think it'll be a nice exercise for us to do in the future and have a great discussion. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, uh, jumping back into our main stuff is, so this past week, uh, Radalada, uh, finally updated with the clip that we were all expecting to see a while back. Um, I, I want to start off by saying this feels like someone didn't put something together in the, in the initial idea of what to do with this website. Um, there's a couple of things that I think are odd going into the end of the film, you're, or not going in, coming out of the end of the film, you're thinking about the fact that the Joker was there. You're probably thinking to yourself, is the Joker going to be in the next film? All of that. Uh, we brought this up on a, on a past podcast about how, or a past episode about how uh, Matt Reeves was interviewed by Collider and IGN talking about uh, Barry Ke uh, Keoghan uh, talking, you know, playing the role of the Joker in the film. And those clips were out there. It wasn't like they were holding them off. They literally released those clips the day the film came out immediately because people who were thinking about this when they came out. Um, the weird part is that as we got closer to uh, Radalada loading and updating, and it took about a week for it to finally 
you know, load completely. The stuff that we got was a lot of the stuff that we saw in the film. It wasn't anything extra. And I was, to me at least, it came off as kind of like a disappointment because I was like, I was really hoping to see this scene regardless of whether or not it was cut from the film for reasons or not. Because they had already said, Matt Reeves had already said in interviews that this clip was going to get released at some point. It was just a matter of when it was going to get released, not if. And the the fact that it was ended up just being a lot of the documents and pictures and stuff that were already seen in the film wasn't something that I was like incredibly excited about. And I was kind of like, meh, okay, fine, whatever. Well then randomly, um, and this was the weird part. Uh, the clip was released officially on the Warner brothers, uh, YouTube channel. It was released on a variety of Twitter account, you know, official Twitter accounts, DC comics, the Batman account, the, uh, the actual Batman character account, it was released all over the place, and you could watch the clip. And what was weird is if you went to Rattalada, it redid the, the or not redid, but it had new riddles for you to solve. And if you solved it, it would play the video. And I thought to myself, that seems like such a missed opportunity. If they were eventually going to do this anyway, why wouldn't they have just done that with Rattalada to get people to go to the website? So either way, the the Joker clip released, it's out. Uh, conveniently, today, Rada Alada was seized by the GCPD. If you go to the website now, it's, it says that it was it's the website has been seized by the GCPD due to criminal activities that were taking place on the website, obviously relating to the stuff that happened with the Riddler, and officially kind of closing that door for what that site was. Personally, I think they should have released it the, the clip with the Joker as the loading took place rather than the other stuff. But eventually the Joker clip came out. You didn't even have to go to the website to see it, which was kind of a downfall too, because they released it pretty much everywhere else on social media. So the clip takes place uh, kind of in the mid. This is before Batman uh, gets the Riddler. The, he goes to see the Joker and shares a case file with him and basically says, listen, uh, why is he writing to me? Joker kind of says, oh, it looks like you've got a new fan. He's, you know, he's very interested in you. Maybe he's even interested in taking you out along with everybody else. And personally, the first thing I thought of as I was watching this sequence was Mindhunter, the Netflix series where there's FBI agents in the 1970s who go invest or who go specifically interrogating captured serial killers to pro to create a profiling program to find other serial killers in, in the future. And that's what I was getting from this, and it's convenient because Matt Reeves has said multiple David Fincher films have influenced his film, um, the Zodiac, uh, or Zodiac, I should say, seven or two films that influenced his film. But Mindhunter also was a David Fincher project, and I could I could feel that here. Now that didn't necessarily I didn't see any of that in the film itself, but uh, this scene really felt like uh, very very much like that Mindhunter, like the idea of what Mindhunter was on the Netflix series. So um, I can see why they cut the scene. It makes perfect sense. It, it really wouldn't have played well with the in, you know, being in the middle of the, the film. It would have taken a lot of focus away from the Riddler, which would have been unfortunate. Uh, so I'm glad that they did cut it. Um, it, there was an interesting thing that they were doing with the audio that was slightly annoying, mostly because I, I, some of the stuff that the Joker was saying, I was having a hard time making out 
without listening to it multiple times. But there was a thing that they were doing where, depending on which side of the the glass wall the camera was actually focusing on, you would either, if you were on the side with Batman and the camera was on the side with Batman looking at Joker through the glass wall, his voice was extremely filtered because he was on the other side of the glass wall. It wasn't the same situation as like what you heard when he was talking the Riddler, and it was very clear what they were talking about back and forth. Then they would cut to the other side where you'd be looking over the Joker's shoulder at Batman, and Batman was more muffled. And I, I thought that was a cool thing, but it made it very difficult, and I was kind of frustrated because there was no close captioning that I could immediately turn on either. Um, so what did you guys think of this sequence that came out? How did you guys feel? Do you think that this... Well, let's just talk about the clip as a whole, or as, as, as it stands by itself. Not necessarily what this means for the future, but let's talk about the clip. What did you guys think of this clip? Do you think that it was smart for them to cut it out of the film? Do you think that it could have served a purpose in the film? Do you, think, do, do you like the fact that it was released at all? Um, I kind of, like, I guess it's nice that it was released and we get a look at kind of what Matt Reeves is thinking about for the Joker. You know, I mean, obviously we got a little bit of that at the end of the movie, but, you know, I feel like this gives you a better visual or vibe for what his Joker will probably be like. Um, but beyond that, I don't really see the point in this clip. It doesn't like bother me, but I'm glad it was cut. I, I think, you know, I think we were chatting, you know, behind the scenes, BJ mentioned how it would take away from the um, film. And I would agree with that, you know, assessment that, you know, you're, you wouldn't be, you would be thinking about the Joker a lot and not Riddler for the next 10 minutes or so. Um, So I just, it's, it's fine, but yeah, I agree. It doesn't really do anything or add anything. It's kind of a, just almost like an Easter egg, I guess. And to kind of piggyback about what I said uh, last time I was on the pod, um, you know, I thought personally the Joker scene was the worst scene in the movie. You know, I love the movie and the movie's fantastic, but if I had to pick one scene that didn't really sit right with me, it was that one Joker scene we did get in the movie. So I feel like this would fall into the same bucket where I'd be more mildly amused or annoyed by it, if anything. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, I, I really like the, the scene, um, but I do agree that it should have been cut, I, just because I, I don't think that it, it fits anywhere in the film. Um, it's interesting that Scott said that, um, you know, the Joker scene we got was probably the weakest uh, scene in the film. To me, I wouldn't say it was weak necessarily, but um, it kind of felt like they were trying to do the post-credits thing without actually doing the post-credits thing. Uh, I mean, which is fine. Everyone's doing it. And it wasn't like some egregious uh, change in tone or anything. It's still somewhat fit. Uh, but that being said, I think this scene is actually better than the Joker scene in the film. Um, and what I know, so with regard to the sound as well, I think, you know, the sound in the Riddler interrogation scene in, in the film, they also did that, but uh, that that little bit of mixing, depending on what side of the glass you're on, if I'm remembering correctly. But I think that was helped by the fact that I think we saw it in theaters, and the audio in theaters is much louder than uh, at home. Um, 
then again, also they might not have, you know, perfected the sound mixing for this scene because they just released it as, you know, one shot and not as part of the actual movie. But um, with regard to the scene itself, uh, the first thing I noticed, obviously, was, you know, the physical appearance of this Joker. Uh, you know, the bloody fingernails and, and fingers, the scarred head. And obviously you see the mouth later on. I th- Like, it seems like he's um, scratched his head and that's how he's got the the blood on his, his fingers. Either that or he had some other injury that has caused all that scarring. But what really stood out to me uh, was more about the dialogue. Um, because Matt Reeves in that in that little in that short scene was able to establish the fact that Batman and Joker have this connection, whereas like you know both of them are on either side of the glass, um, so to speak, but they do kind of understand each other. And you know when Batman's leaving, uh, Joker has that you know that little verbal dagger where he says you know you think that they deserve it. And that's what makes, you know, a lot of these Batman villains so uh, compelling. And I think that's what made, you know, the Ledger uh, version of Joker so compelling is that, you know, on some level, he was right. It's just his methods and his way of being right is absolutely evil. Um, Like, in the case of, you know, the Joker in this interrogation scene, like a lot of the, the officials in Gotham were corrupt. That doesn't mean that they deserve to die like that. But, you know... Joker is always trying to put that in Batman's face. Like, look, how can you work for, for these people kind of thing? The other, the other side of it that I liked was, um, you know, the concept of identity. Um, you know, Joker is someone who's not really, you know, in the comics, I think, is portrayed as not being interested in who Batman is so much as what Batman is to him and what Batman represents. And I think in this clip you kind of see that where joker is not really interested in in riddler's name but he's interested like he he intuitively picks up who riddler like the who riddler is inside he says like he's a nobody who wants to be a somebody um and and joker also you know there's some lines in there as well about you know about um what he thinks batman is as well so i think the scene itself was really good and uh I'm really interested to see where how they build off this in the future. Yeah. Now, one of the interesting things that came out after this was there was an interview that was done earlier in the month prior to the clip actually being released where Matt Reeves talked with Variety about uh, the Joker cameo in the film and then specifically talked about the origin of this, this Joker. And in some ways, it's kind of revealing as to why this Joker is the way it is. Now, Interestingly, the first time I saw the film, I saw it with Scott, and we when when we got out of the film, I looked at him and said, "That was the Joker, right?" And he was like, "Yeah." And I thought, and I said to him, "I was like, you know, this it kind of reminded me of Two Face because of how badly scarred he was." And then the third time I went and saw it with some friends. I'm watching the film and I get out and they're immediately like, oh, yeah, that was absolutely Two-Face. And I'm looking at them like, no, it wasn't Two-Face. It was the Joker. But they said the exact same thing where, how you know, this this character is so badly scarred. And I was like, right. But when you look at it, I understand that you assume that it's Two-Face because of the scarring. However, there's that laugh. You can't get away from the laugh at the very end of that scene that shows in the film. And... 
Matt Reeves actually said that his this version of the Joker is not the same as the Jokers we've seen in the past. It's not a Joker that's fallen into a vat of chemicals like the Jack Nicholson Joker, and it's not one like uh, Heath Ledger's Joker where it's an open-ended reason why he has scars. He specifically says it's more like Phantom of the Opera. He has this congenital disease where he can't stop smiling, and it's horrific. His face is half-covered through most of the film. It's not about some version where he falls into a vat of chemicals and his face is distorted or why Chris Nolan did uh, where what he did, where there's some mystery as to how he got the scars carved into his face. What if this guy from birth had this disease and he was cursed? He had a had this smile that people stared at that was grotesque and terrifying. Even as a child, people looked at him with horror and his response was to say, okay, so a joke was played on me and this was his... Um, nihilistic take on the world. Um, he also referred to David Lynch's Elephant Man for uh, reference for what he was trying to create with the look of the Joker. Um, he really is leaning into that David Lynch stuff. Um, um, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I can see that now in retrospect. I didn't think about it at the time, but yeah, like that's like I could see that. Huh. Yeah. So he he has a, obviously a different view. I mean, there's a reason why we're not seeing him full on at really at all. I mean, even at the end of the clip when you get like kind of like a close up and you actually see more of him, um, it's not completely you know like a full on 100% headshot either. That's the thing. So it's interesting and it's different. I don't have a problem with this. Now, what does this mean for the future? Um, that was also asked in this exact same, or actually it was in an interview. No, actually, yeah, okay, I'm looking at it, it says that there, there, he was asked specifically, what does this mean for the Joker in the future? And Reeves specifically said, there might be places, there's stuff I'm very interested in doing in the Arkham space, potentially for HBO Max, there are things we've talked about there, so it's very possible. It's also, it also isn't possible that there is some story that comes back where the Joker comes into our world. And I think what he means by that is he's referencing coming back into the film side of things. Um I'll tell you, honestly, and I say this 100%, if HBO Max, the Arkham HBO Max series turns into something where it features the Joker, even if the Joker's not full on, you know that they're doing, they're, they're going all in for this show because put aside who's playing the Joker, put aside the fact that the Joker's already appeared in the film. If they're going to do something with the one of, you know, Bat, arguably Batman's biggest villain in a series that's going to be on HBO Max, you know it's going to be, they're going all in. Um, it also leads me to think what is the possibilities for the future films, which we've already dived into, so I don't want to go too much into what other villains could show up in a sequel. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, check out our sequel, our The Batman sequel episode that we released a couple weeks ago. But that said, um, it'll be interesting because if the Joker is a character that pops up in the Arkham HBO Max series and then potentially does appear down the line, like we've talked about before, about potentially popping up in not necessarily the immediate sequel, but maybe the following, you know, the third film or something like that, or it builds to the idea of Joker working with these other, with other villains and stuff as they kind of hinted at at the end of the film. So 
I think there's a lot of possibility when it comes to the future for the Joker, but I honestly would have to say that if it ends up that the Joker is somehow involved in an Arkham series on HBO Max, I think a lot of people are going to be drawn to see what Matt Reeves comes up with for a, a television series. I think that would be a good space to do it too, just because then you can kind of <clears throat> obviously get people to engage with your HBO Max stuff, but like it kind of creates like two roads that sort of like you know, they at, obviously everyone's anticipating for them to converge. If like Joker was on HBO Max in these shows, and then like Batman continues over in the film, and they don't use him as a villain right away, you know, I could see that being as kind of like a neat little trick to get people to really engage with both aspects of this world. And you know, the the tricky part about doing, I I think the show is a good idea, but I think the tricky part about it will be. I think it has to be a limited series, like maybe five or six episodes, because at some point, depending on how they do the story, the audience is going to ask, okay, where is Batman in this? And I think, you know, um, past shows that have been superhero oriented or like in a specific superhero's world that don't feature that, that specific superhero in them have encountered this problem. So I think, um, good writing and pacing is going to be very important for a show like this. All right. So then the, uh, let's move on to our next topic. So our next topic is, uh, we're talking about, uh, critic reviews for the Batman. Now this stemmed from a, uh, chat that we were having amongst the, the co-hosts and we were talking about, uh, the rotten Tomatoes score and kind of some of the reviews that were popping up on rotten tomatoes. Now, in preparation for this, we were all planning on pulling a specific critic review um, that was posted at some point on Rotten Tomatoes and kind of talking about those. Um, I did not have a ton of time to prep. And as I pull up Rotten Tomatoes right now to reference the tomato score that they, that the Batman film has, the site is completely not loading anything. It's it's barely loading. It literally shows that the Batman has zero reviews. Um, it has, uh, we believe that it was previously at about 86%. We know it's certified fresh, so there's that. But we don't know exactly what the rating is as of right this moment just because it's not appearing on their website. That said, I know my fellow co-hosts have specific critic reviews that they uh, wanted to bring up for positive or negative reasons and i'm going to let them go first and then i'm going to follow with uh, something outside the box of critic reviews since i unfortunately can't reference the critic reviews on rotten tomatoes so take it away you know i, I don't i don't have anything uh, specific because i'm more or less in the same situation as as dustin but um i i was actually going through um just periodically because i like to get a sense, a rough overview of what the conversation is like uh, around a movie. Uh, it's not necessarily because I care about the reviews or anything. It's just, um, it's good to know what people are, are saying about it because it does influence what the general audience thinks about it and which in turn, you know, influences the future of the, of the film franchise. I think I was uh, pleasantly surprised by uh, how many positive reviews there were for this film. Um, I've become kind of concerned um, over the last few years that perhaps the superhero movie genre is becoming a little homogenous in terms of the the tone. Um, and that's not to say that you know the tone that we've that we've seen from 
the Marvel movies is bad or anything. It's clearly successful. It clearly resonates with people. But um, I think there's a lot of uh, copycat going on where other superhero films are trying to to sort of chase and or replicate that formula. And the flip side of that is that, you know, I, I suspected that audience might be expecting that when they go in to see any superhero film. Um, but it was good to see that this, you know, being so different from what we've seen uh, lately got a lot of positive reviews. That being said, uh, one thing that I did notice that kind of, you know, falls into my suspicions is even in some of the positive reviews uh, that were more lukewarm, uh, there were a lot of comments about the tone being too dark, about there not being enough jokes. Um, and a lot of the negative reviews were sort of structured around this particular critique as well. Um, that, you know, it was just a complete slog. It was just, you know, uh, a very bleak and, and dark film. And, I, I don't necessarily understand that because to me, there were humorous moments in the film. Um, and the other part of it is it's a Batman film. Um, tragedy, uh, trauma, um, that aspect of it is it, like, it's going to, that's going to be what drives the, the main character in, in many cases. It's going to be a primary motivating factor for that character. Um, so I don't think it's, it's, reasonable to expect that a batman would be like funny like adam west in the you know the 60s or whatever because that's just not where the character is at at this point mine i picked i have two um i kind of figured we'd go into bad ones and so i picked positive ones i liked for different reasons um and part of the reasons why i picked them well i'll start with the first one i picked um is from the Chicago Tribune. It was uh, Michael Phillips. He's kind of their, he's been their mainstay critic for quite a while. And I picked his for, you know, a variety of different reasons. One being it's more focused on kind of the overall like feel of like the cinematic style and, you know, the, how this movie is different, you know, and he, he talks about like the um, cinematography you know, and how it had the same cinematographer as on Dune and <clears throat> contrast this movie with both um, the Snyderverse briefly and then with um, Joker, which he hated. But he basically leans into that and in saying, you know, both Joker and this the Batman kind of have similar visions of Gotham and tries to contrast the two near the end. But the other reason why I picked this is. Um, you know, if you look back at some of his reviews of past Batman films, you know, obviously he hated the Snyderverse. Like, that's, he's pretty open about that. But even with, like, Christopher Nolan, he kind of had, um, he liked The Dark Knight, but he had a bone to pick with the other two, you know, and particularly the violence um, for The Dark Knight Rises. So I thought it was um, very interesting that, you know, this film, you know, it seems like all those complaints, um, are sidelined like it doesn't appear at all in his review he just kind of leans really into the craftsmanship of it and he's kind of in awe and admiration of that and that kind of spins over into my other pick there is a podcast called um <clears throat> the big picture um run by sean fennessy and amanda dobbins and they're they work for a network called the ringer and so what they do is um 
they get really into it with their film reviews. And so they focus on the technique and the style and, you know, the overall vibes and themes and saddled on to the second half of the review. They actually have um, an interview with Matt Reeves, you know, where they kind of ask pointed questions about specific scenes in the movie, which I thought were very um, beneficial to my enjoyment of the movie. You know, particularly they ask him a lot about the car chase scene and, you know, what he did to try to set up, you know, the filming of that whole sequence and, you know, his process and his thinking behind it. And it was, you know, it, it lends in the stuff we've talked about a lot in the past couple episodes um, about Matt Reeves connection to like 70s cinema and everything. But, you know, it, it's still interesting to hear, you know, from the director's, you know, mouth, you know, when they're asking him questions about his process, just the, what he's thinking about and what he's trying to create and how that transfers over to like the final product we see. I thought it was, uh, I think uh, I know the video you were talking about. I think it was the one that I maybe shared on, on discord. I can't remember, but I thought it was funny when he was talking about the car chase scene. Uh, he said that, you know, he wanted to put the cameras on the cars um, and then have all that movement and vibration. And then when he sent the, uh, the, the footage to be edited at the visual effects department or whatever, they told him, this is actually horrible. This isn't the way it's supposed to be done. And then he responded by saying, oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want, which I thought was uh, kind of funny. But, you know, to, to your point about, you know, um, the craftsmanship, um, just take the, you know, the last scene of the, of the last couple scenes of the film, for example. Um, Batman, you know, he he takes down all these uh, all the Riddler uh, thugs or whatever, and then he he cuts that um, that elect that whatever the hanging electric wire was, and then he falls into the water. And to me, it was almost like the version that was falling was the version that was just purely obsessed with vengeance, and the version that comes out of the water is the version that has moved past just being about vengeance. And that's kind of symbolized where he, he helps the people out and then he has the flair. It's almost like, you know, he's becoming a light of inspiration, of hope for people, not just being the shadows anymore. And it was a, a beautiful contrast where, you know, in the, the early parts of the movie, the first scene we see him, he saves um, an Asian man in, in the subway station. And the man he saves is scared of him and says, you know, please don't hurt me. But at the end, we have, you know, the woman uh, who's being airlifted up, you know, puts her, her hand on his arm and, you know, takes some sort of solace from the fact that he's there. And I think that that progression and that, that symbolism and that symmetry is very important. Even the scene with um, with Catwoman at the end, I thought it was, it was a very, you know, kind of like a beautiful microcosm of their whole relationship where, you know, they, they're... Um, they like each other. They're they're friendly, but they have different. They have divergent views, and and that's kind of to me symbolized with that that motorcycle scene where they're they're riding together, and then they get to a point in the road where they look at each other and then they go their separate directions. But it's not in animosity. It's just because they have two different priorities, even though they do want to sort of you know take the same road together. And in many ways, it's at the end of this particular movie it's two different visions of Gotham because Catwoman in this movie believes that Gotham can't be saved. And Batman says, well, I have to try. I think it can be. So there's a lot to really to unpack with the craftsmanship. And you know, I think there's a lot to be learned from some of the, the really good reviews. 
so I do encourage people to check him out. Yeah. Something would you say, Otto, that when he fell and vengeance fell into you know the water and then he came out different, would you call that a baptism? That that's good. That's good. I didn't. Th- I didn't think it. I was. I was actually. You know. I was trying to work that in there. It, it wasn't fully formed in my mind. But that's good. You got yeah. it. All right. So my reviews that I've pulled up. I've. I've. Uh, I, I've learned about a new website that I had not known about until recently called Letterboxed, and uh, most of the reviews that pop up on here are from users, but they write their own reviews. They give a score. And some of these are can be really amusing. I've seen this uh, YouTube show that I watch. They they typically they'll have this they have these uh, episodes they'll do sometimes where they'll read a review and then you're supposed to guess like which superhero film it is. Obviously, these are all for the Batman, but I'm just going to read a couple of these because I think they're hilarious. Um, all right, so this one comes from Patrick Williams. Uh, he gave it four out of five stars. He said, there's a lot of talk about how this is the sexiest Batman or the most emo Batman. What's more important is that he that this is finally a Batman who sits down and looks for clues in a big stack of dusty old files. Yep, that is, that is definitely a different Batman. All right, uh, this one's from Silent Dawn. This is four and a half stars. It's funny, whenever a new Batman reboot is announced, I think to myself, do we really need another effing version of Batman? And then I'm there, opening night, having a total blast. WB knows how to do it right with this character. Matt Reeves' latest film earns its stripes pretty much right away. What an engrossing slow burn. Gotham City is so well-realized and it's quite immersive. This is about as close to the Arkham games as we'll probably see theatrically. A vision of perpetual rain and grime, head-to-toe corruption, sinister serial killers, big-shot mob bosses, and damaged family legacies. Matt Reeves packs in two movies' worth of material here, but it doesn't feel nearly as... Hard as you expect, this detective mystery is attempting the elusive thrills of Fincher and Pecula films while still supplying the necessary superhero highlights. It mostly works, although I can't deny that I felt a little fatigued by the end. Robert Pattinson absolutely rules as Batman. The voice, costuming, everything. He's perfect. It feels iconic and different, fresh and new. Even better is his vampiric Bruce Wayne, a portrait of a young man so committed to lurking in the shadows that whenever he emerges as Bruce in the daytime, he looks like an emo Nasafaratu stumbling out of an ancient coffin. The ensemble cast from Zoe Kravitz to Paul Dano, Colin Farrell to John DeToro, is uniformly excellent with the standout supporting role being Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. Seeing him and Pattinson working together is so good. It helps me. It helps that to tie everything together, the movie is gorgeous as it can be. Director of photography Greg Frazier continues to be a major show-off, and basically every frame here is rich and detailed, shrouded in orange and red hues, lingering in the inky shadows that are just the right level of underlit. The Batman is a beautifully photographed movie and a unique vision that mostly sidesteps a few rough patches in its plotting. <clears throat> All right, so uh, the, the, I'm going to read... Uh, I was going to read, there's a couple more that I was going to read, but I don't really want to keep reading a bunch of them. So I'm going to skip one of them that was a little bit longer. Uh, This one, we need to stop pretending, this one's from uh, Jonathan Oppenheimer, that's three and a half stars. We need to stop pretending that Batman isn't at least a little silly. If a man dressed like that came up to me and asked him who he was, I asked him who he was, and he said, I am vengeance, I'd probably laugh. It's a silly thing to say. 
Oh, that's true. But uh, if if that same man also broke someone's arm in front yes. of me before saying that, I'd take him pretty seriously. Probably, yes. All right, and then uh, the final one I'm going to read is from Nick Wilbert. He's considered a pro here at Letterboxd, and he gave it four out of five. He said, I just love how effing disgusting Bruce Wayne looks in this nasty uh, nasty ass, stringy ass, translucently pale goth boy in his dank, disgusting back cave, hunched over his computer with bloodshot eyes and black eye paint, scrolling through footage of the previous night while journaling his effed up thoughts. When he finally emerges from the cave to talk to Alfred and and gets disturbed by natural sunlight, he has to put on sunglasses. I wanted to get up and cheer. Yeah, that's right up there on those sunglasses, you little freak. He's also definitely a virgin based on how he composes himself on Catwoman. Effing fantastic movie. So that was a that one that one that one was a little bit uh <laughs> he, he he very very much likes the version of Robert Pattinson's Batman, that's for sure. I so. got a negative one. I just want okay. to yeah, box if you want me to read it. Yeah, go ahead. Right, hold on. Let me switch screens. Okay. Over and over again throughout the years, I've heard Batman fans and comic heads say, yeah, bro, some Batman movies are good, but where's the world's greatest detective? He's never the savvy detective. He's always using computers and shit. We've never gotten the gritty street-level Batman film. And given that the role of Batman has basically become the caped equivalent of James Bond... We were fated to inevitably receive this sleuth oriented iteration. In fact, we got three effing hours worth of that damnable detective, and I can't say it's particularly interesting. That's a shame because that's, I mean, uh, this is exactly what I want as a Batman. I mean, I know that we're obviously comic fans. We've, we read the comics and we're Batman fans outside of just watching films, but this was truly. The Batman that I think a lot a lot of Bat fans have wanted. This is what the, this is what they wanted. They wanted to see a Batman who was doing more than just you know the occasional investigation or just looking at a clue and then somehow becoming more about the chase scenes or the fight scenes. Like this has plenty of fight scenes. This has amazing chasing. Um, but the, at the core of it, there's there's just so much detective work that's being done, and that's what I really appreciate. And I know we've talked about this a, a bunch of other times, so I don't want to rehash it too much. But there's the, it, it. Some people are going to look at a detective movie, regardless of whether it's a superhero film or not, and have an issue with it, especially if they're not necessarily being able to follow along with what's going on. And I'm not claiming that that reviewer was unable to follow along with what was going on, but there are some people out there where they're looking for a simplistic movie when it comes to superhero films. And lately, not just this film, but a lot of films in general have been more than like this. It's not just a, it's just not the surface of what you see. There's something below the surface that you need to look for. You need to figure out Marvel's been doing that, you know, with a lot of different films more recently. Um, I think back to The Winter Soldier, one of my favorite uh, Marvel films, and there's a lot below the surface of that film that I that, that that was very different than like the typical I'm a superhero, I put on a suit, I go battle whatever bad guy is in this film. There was more to it than that, and I think that recently they've done that with a lot of different things. They've done it with the Marvel television series, and I'm, I, I hope, my hope is that in the future we see more of that with the other DC films that are coming out. So... Well, at least, um, you know, that might have been a negative review, but at least that person has seen the film. Uh, it's true. 
I've seen I've seen some uh, negative comments, reviews about this film from people who haven't seen it, which I mean is truly amazing. That's the downfall of like you know reviews in general is like anybody could pop on and review something and. It's always amusing when you see someone's like uh, the, the the perfect example uh, leading up to the release of the film. As I was organizing, seeing the film with some of my friends, uh, one of my friends' wives was like, uh, told her husband, "I don't." He he asked her if she wanted to go see the film, and she was like, "No, I don't. I, I don't really have any interest." And in of course, he translated to that that to me as she doesn't like Batman. So of course, the next time I see her, I'm I'm saying, "Oh, so you don't like Batman." And she's like, no, 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 it's not anything like that. And then it comes out that she didn't want to see the film because she had no idea what the film was about. And I was like, well, that's it's a weird reason to not see a film. I mean, you could watch a trailer and kind of figure out a little bit of what it's about. But needless to say, um, you know, there are some people who just they make a decision based off of, you know, even just a trailer. They could watch a trailer and say, I don't want to watch that. Unfortunately, they can still then leave a review on certain sites like this. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, but you just mentioned the lead up to the film. And I just started thinking back to all the hotly debated topics in the lead up to the film. Pattinson's casting, Jeffrey Wright's casting, all these, you know, pseudo controversies that, you know, plague the fandom. And all of it looks so foolish now because none of it really mattered at the end of the day. Everything was like, none of those concerns, even like everything was fine. Yeah. Even though the, the, one of the main ones that was happening the most recent, not even about any of the casting or anything like that, which was that Batman, this film was going to be, there was the Batman was going to be too violent. And a lot of that had to do with the initial marketing. I agree. It was smart for them to come out with a trailer shortly after they released that other trailer, uh, because the, fir- the the trailer they released back in October, it did really feel, I mean, it, it, it did look like it was going to be a very violent Batman. It was more focusing on the vengeance side of it than anything else. When less than two months later, they released the Bat and Cat trailer, it was a good medium where you show that there's plenty of action, but there's another part of Batman that's not just, I'm going to beat up every person I come in contact with. And that was more of a marketing, but I just remember so many people making such a big deal about how this Batman was going to be too violent, or you know they weren't thinking about how this Batman was, you know, Batman's not such a violent character. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, compared to what? Like, the last Batman film that came out, he was straight up murdering people. I don't, I don't know what the difference is. Like, why are you getting so upset? But that's that's what I couldn't understand too, because a lot of the same people who were saying that this was going to be too violent or whatever, uh, based on the trailer, were the same people who were like, restore the Snyderverse. Exactly. So I, I don't get how that makes sense. Yeah. All right, so with that, that's going to wrap up this episode. I want to encourage everybody to head over to our website, thebatmanverse.net. We have all kinds of news related to movies, television, video games, merchandise, comics, and everything else related to the Bat fandom. Uh, There's all kinds of other podcasts we have outside of this podcast. There's a one that focuses exclusively on comics, and then there's a variety of different podcasts that focus on a variety of different specific topics like characters or uh, Batman in prose books and things like that. So definitely check out everything that we do have to offer um, over on our site. In addition to that, we have all kinds of original editorials and original articles and reviews of comics and other material that comes out. Um, all kinds of stuff. So be sure to check that out. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, we're on Instagram. 
we're all over the place when it comes to um, social media. So you can follow us wherever you use social media that we're probably there. And if you follow us there, you'll see all of the different articles that we post throughout the week. Um, and then you can also email us at tbu at the or join our discord where you can leave a comment um, about the episode or about something you'd like us to discuss on a future episode. Um, as we get to the end, well, as you're listening to this, it's April or probably close to April, depending on which day this actually releases. But um, we are going to be getting probably away from the Batman. Maybe next week, maybe we'll do something different next week. Um, but we are going to be coming back to the Batman for kind of that ranking episode that I mentioned earlier, as well as there's a book coming out called The Art of Batman that I do want to talk about as well, because it's kind of like a look at the behind the scenes of the of the, the film and the production of how everything came to be and inside thoughts and things like that. But that book is not coming out until the middle of April, so we'll get to it eventually. But that, that is definitely two things that we will still be coming back to next week. Maybe we'll do something unrelated to Batman unless, of course, something else comes up. So all that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, we really appreciate your support. If you are interested in joining our TBU staff, um, whether it be writing news articles or whether it be reviewing different things or writing original editorials or anything like that, please get in touch with us, TBU at thebatmanuniverse.net, and we will try to find a task for you to help out with because we've got all kinds of stuff that we're always looking for help with. Um, outside of that, that's everything for this episode. For Scott, Otto, and myself, we will see you guys next time. 